Welcome home to Click. Hundreds of data analytics leaders are coming home to Click to gain insights from data. Why? Well, it's simple. Better performance, greater usability, and a lower total cost of ownership. Plus, with Click, you can accelerate business value from data on Click's cloud or any cloud. Don't just take our word for it. It's what data analytics leaders are saying. Visit click.com slash welcome home to hear why hundreds of leaders in data analytics have come home to Click. That's Click, Q-L-I-K dot com slash welcome home. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist of the Hill in Washington, DC, and a political commentator for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me or my political polling company, or if you have any suggestions or ideas for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is on Twitter, at Brad Bannon. Welcome to all of you who are watching me on Twitter and Periscope. Now everyone can watch the show on Periscope at periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can also watch Deadline DC on Facebook by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash BB Facebook Live. Our guest in the first half hours today is Charlie Cook, founder and publisher of the Cook Political Report. In the second half hour, Tara Devlin, the host of Terror Buster joins us for the progressive, provocative, progressive political panel, along with political activist Mark Grimaldi. Our guest in this segment is Charlie Cook, founder and publisher of the Cook Political Report. Charlie is one of the nation's most prominent political and shrewdest political analysts. He is a frequent guest on Meet Depressed and a columnist for the National Journal. Welcome back to Deadline DC, Charlie. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on, Brad. Okay, let's start. Uh, a lot of uh, what happens in Joe Biden's presidency, uh, which uh, is coming soon upon us, uh, depends what's happening uh, happens in the Georgia Senate runoff elections. There are two of them. Uh, right now, the Democrats are two seats down in uh, the U.S. Senate. Uh, which means that uh, Joe Biden has to contend uh, with Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to get anything done. Uh, Democrats, uh, if they take both Senate races in in Georgia on January 5th, uh, they will have a 50-50 tie, which will allow De uh, Kamala Harris to tie, break ties and will have a Democratic Senate majority. Uh, so give us uh, your take on what's happening in Georgia. And we're only a month away from the two Senate elections. 
Right. I think Georgia right now is the most evenly divided uh, state in the country. Uh, you know, if you think about it, that governor's race two years ago, uh, Brian Kemp got 50.2 and uh, Stacey Abrams got 48.8. Uh, then you look at the presidential race this year, it was a quarter of a percentage point. Uh, if you total up in the special election, uh, all the Republican candidates total was 49.3. All the Democratic candidates combined, including uh, Warnock, was 48.4. You know, the other race was Purdue 49.7 and John Ossoff 48.8. So uh, this, this state is just absolutely, it's sort of changing a little bit, getting less red, moving more purple. Every single, or now it's just absolutely purple. purple. I would not give... Uh, I think a lot of people were putting, uh, giving Republicans a little bit of an edge because Republicans have done better in these runoffs traditionally uh, in Georgia. But the thing is, I don't think uh, uh, that, you know, most of those were, it was a different Georgia. I mean, this is just a, this is a different state. It has no resemblance whatsoever to what it looked like, say, in 1992, when uh, uh, the one that was sort of been referred to most often. So I think it's a absolutely even money. Uh, race. Um, and I think it's more likely, I think it's more likely than not going to double or nothing that that Republicans will either hold both or Democrats will grab both. I don't think there's going to be much of a difference between the two sides. It's just going to be a turnout game and who does the better job. Okay. Uh, now, uh, the uh, two Republican candidates are lambasting uh, Raphael Warnick and uh, John Ossoff for being a radical uh, leftist and socialist. Uh, and the Republicans have their own problems. Uh, both uh, Republican senators have been accused of uh, using their positions uh, in the Senate to make uh, stock tax transactions that made them a lot of money. Um, is, uh, you know, one of the things I want to talk about in this segment is uh, Joe Biden uh, won the presidential race, but otherwise it was a pretty big mess for Democrats uh, down ballot. Uh, do you think the, you know, the charges that Kelly Loeffler and uh, David Perdue are leveling against the two Democrats for being socialist are going to work? Um, I, I've, I'm a little skeptical. First of all, I just I just think it's going to be a party vote. That this is we saw we saw more straight ticket voting in in 2020 and 2016 than we've ever seen before. And I think people are just voting red or voting blue. I, I wouldn't make. Uh, in fact, I was talking to a Republican strategist last week. They did a 600 sample poll, and they had precisely one respondent that split their ticket in terms of which ones they said they were going to support. One out of 600. Uh, this is just red or blue. And uh, so I don't, you know, I think it's going to be a matter of just motivating motivating people. Um, where the thing is that in terms of something in your, your lead in, though, uh, you know, I don't think at all that... Uh, that Joe Biden's presidency is is uh, you know contentioned upon what happens here. Uh, I think that you know we have gone through for the most partisan, horrifically partisan uh, years, uh, or actually last 20, 20, 25 or so, close to thirty years we've ever had. 
uh, we've had since Reconstruction, Civil War, since slavery and the Reconstruction. Uh, but to be honest, I don't think, you know, the idea that Democrats could get a real progressive agenda through if they win both these Senate seats is laughable because there's not a progressive uh, majority in the House of Representatives. There's just barely a Democratic majority, and there will be just barely a Democratic majority in the Senate. And you're going to have uh, only lowest common denominator things, things that will get past Joe Manchin, uh, you know, and Chris Coons and, and uh, you know, kind of go through Mark Warners and people like that. So that anything that happens is going to be done from the center out, um, I think, in, the, in this next for this next two years. And uh, so that if you're whether someone is on the far right or they're on the far left, um, that agenda is not happening, uh, no matter what, no matter whether Democrats win both or lose both, it's not going to happen. And uh, I, I, I actually think that we may see, at least not not in the country as a whole, but in Washington, I think we may have a little a brief respite from the horrific level of partisanship, because I think that, you know, where this kind of partisanship comes is when a majority party is able to jam through things and treat the other side unfairly. And that can't happen here uh, either way, either way, because it's not like McConnell would be able to get a conservative agenda through the Senate if it's, you know, if they're at 51 or 52. Um, so I, I'm just, you know, I, I, I think this actually could come out to be something that, that actually works. So what, what can... You know, let's assume for the minute that uh, Mitch McConnell is still the majority leader and Joe Biden is going to be president, despite what the current president thinks. Uh, what can they do? I mean, for instance, they're a stimulus package right now. There's a uh, negotiations going on about a stimulus package, uh, which is a much uh, lower dollar figure than the one that was passed by the House. Uh, back in May, uh, what can, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, the nation is facing some very aggressive problems. What can Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell do working together to deal with the problems facing the nation? Well, I mean, I think it's fairly simple. Uh, you know, what we're going to end up with is something more than what Mitch McConnell wants and less than what Nancy Pelosi wants. And, you know, the difference between A and Z is somewhere around M or N. You know, uh, I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see compromise things happening. And, uh, uh, you know, this isn't going to be the last stimulus package. This is going to be what what tries what's a sort of a bridge over into, you know, March or April or May when something else will probably will have to happen. But I don't see this as the end of the world. Um, any, you know, for either side uh, uh, at, at all. Okay, we're going to break now for our radio listeners. We'll be uh, continuing uh, right ahead for with our Periscope TV and Facebook uh, viewers. Uh, so we'll be back after this break with more of Charlie Cook, publisher, uh, founder of the Cook Political Report. Welcome back to our radio audience and our Wilson's Periscope TV 
TV and uh, Facebook Live. Our guest in this half hour is Charlie Cook, publisher and founder of the uh, uh, Cook Political Report. Uh, Charlie, let me ask you this question. Uh, do you think Donald Trump is going to be the Republican presidential nominee in 2024? Uh, no. Uh, I don't think I don't think he will be. I don't know whether he really thinks he will or not, but I think he's someone that has to be the center of the universe. And the idea of just walking away, uh, that's that's not not likely. I think it would be in the best interest of the Republican Party if he were to say just the hell with all of you. I'm getting away from politics altogether. And that would enable Republicans to basically start uh, retooling their party for the future. But as long as Donald Trump is is uh, playing a dominant role in the party, the party, I think, can't do what it probably needs to do uh, in terms of addressing younger people, a more diverse country, a suburban, a better educated country. Uh, there are things that Republicans, that smart Republicans know they need to do, but they can't do as long as he is the dominant force. But so I think he's going to be hanging around like a bad hangover uh, over the Republican Party for a few more years to go, even if he doesn't run. Yeah. OK. Uh, who do you well, just that while we're on the subject, uh, who do you think some of them, you know, if let's say there is not a Trump on the ticket and that includes the president um, and a couple of children who are often speculated, uh, who do you think the Republican the leading Republicans for the nomination would be? Well, the names you hear most often are, uh, you know, obviously Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, uh, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio. Uh, you know, the question is sort of of the, I guess, of all those Cotton and Hawley and Haley uh, were the three that have not run for president before. But, uh, you know, these folks are going to have a, a pretty tricky situation because, if to the extent that they are seen as openly campaigning for Republican nomination, uh, they risk antagonizing President Trump. Now, they can go around and campaign, uh, you know, for Republican Senate candidates. And, for example, uh, New Hampshire, Maggie Hassan is up and Chris Sununu, the governor, is probably going to be running. So they could go to New Hampshire to help out uh, Chris Sununu. Uh, you know, Iowa, there's a fair chance that Chuck Grassley will be retiring. So they have an excuse there. There are going to be big Senate races in Ohio and in uh, North Carolina. So th they can move around. They can move around a good bit. And, but but they have to, you know, kind of walk on eggshells again because uh, of not wanting to antagonize him and have him uh, turning his tweets and his base against them. Uh, but at the same time, they can't just sit around and wait for him to indicate that he's not going to run. Uh, so it's going to be um, it'll be kind of fun to watch, actually. OK, uh, let's turn to Joe Biden. Uh, he's already uh, made a number of uh, uh, cabinet nominations. Uh, what uh, and the latest one uh, that's being reported today is that uh, Xavier Becerra, former member of Congress, current California attorney general, is going to be uh, nominated for secretary of uh, health, health and human services. Uh, what do the appointments so far say uh, about the kind of presidency we're going to see from Joe Biden? 
Well, I think the thing is, I think Joe Biden is a, is he, he, it's going to be kind of a blending. I, I think his nature and just having watched him, I, I first met him in probably March or April of 73 when he was a freshman senator and I was a freshman in college uh, working on the Hill. Um, but he's a very conventional, straightforward guy. I mean, there's there's not uh, he's not an outside the box kind of guy. At the same time, I think he is someone who recognizes that his administration has got to look um, like the country. And I think he's doing a really good job of doing that. Uh, but he has to have people that will look like the country, but that will be team players. And obviously, that's that's why I never thought that uh, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren would end up with a cabinet job, because quite frankly, I don't think there would be anything that either of them wanted that he would be willing to give them. Um, I mean, the idea that that he would uh, name Elizabeth Warren to be uh, Secretary of Treasury or Attorney General, I think was just, uh, you know, it was just, just uh, 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 well, whatever. But anyway, I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. Uh, but I, I think it's just going to, I think it's going to be competence. I think it's going to just project competence, stability, uh, and that adults, this is going to be an adult administration. This is going to be one that's, uh, you know, serious people doing serious things. Uh, so it may be a little on the dull side, but um, after four years of, of, of uh, Donald Trump, I think something that's kind of dull and stable and competent, um, you know, would probably uh, will will do will do pretty well. I think. Okay. Do you think we're going to go back to the days uh, uh, Bill Clinton was uh, famous for triangulating uh, between the uh, conservatives in Congress and the progressives of their own party? Uh, do you think we're going to go see more of that in the Biden administration? Well, I, I think it's. You know, Clinton was trying to sort of, uh, okay, the progressives over here and the conservative uh, and Republicans on there. I think it's actually, I mean, I I think that Speaker Pelosi and Vice President Biden and Kamala Harris and Chuck Schumer, I think they're going to be pretty much in the same same ballpark. And, you know, that, um, you know, they can't, that that what the squad wants has no chance in the world of passing the House, let alone the Senate. Uh, so it's like, you know, hey, guys, if you want to be saboteurs, go ahead. But, you know, if you want to have any voice at all in here, you've got to jump in. And that he's going to be dealing with a lot of with uh, uh, some of the more moderate, some of the more moderate Republicans. So I think it's going to be more you're going to see legislating between the two thirty yard lines. Um, which I think is probably a pretty uh, pretty healthy thing to uh, for him to do. Well, you know, given the big problems that uh, the nation is facing, do you think we can move for Joe Biden can move the country forward by legislating between the thirty yard lines? Yeah, because the the choice is not get anything done at all. I mean, this is not a. It's do you want to accomplish something? Yes or no. Because a very aggressive ideological agenda from either party cannot work in a configuration where uh, you've got, whether it's divided government, but with the Republicans with 51 or 52 seats, or even if Democrats are at 50-50 in the Senate and uh, 
you know, this microscopic majority in the House. An ideological agenda can't work. So the question is, do you want an agenda that works or or just tilt at windmills? Okay. Charlie, thanks for joining us today. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. We, we know you're very busy, and I appreciate you coming on uh, another time on Deadline DC, and enjoy uh, the holiday season. Take care, Brad. See you, everybody. We're going to break now. Uh, when you come back, we'll be back with our provocative progressive political panel. Okay, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. And of course, in the second half hour, we always have our provocative progressive political panel, uh, and we will today. Uh, But before that, uh, I'll tell you what's on my mind. The Democratic failure to win a majority in the U.S. Senate on November 3rd leaves the country and Joe Biden in a precarious precarious position and the voters of Georgia in the driver's seat. The new president must confront a raging pandemic that just keeps getting worse and a shattered economy that holds little hope for the millions of Americans who have lost their jobs. The current commander-in-chief, Donald Trump, is AWOL in the fight against the deadly pandemic uh, COVID-19 plague. He has also left the new president a massive budget deficit that will limit the resources that Biden has to bear on the big problems facing the United States. Biden will face these daunting challenges with one hand tied behind his back. The GOP has a two-seat edge in the Senate, and unless both Democratic candidates in the Georgia runoff elections win on January 5th, Joe Biden will have trouble getting a ham sandwich to the Senate. Otherwise, Mitch McConnell will reign supreme. If you want to read the rest of this column and my take on presidential politics in the Hill every week, just Google muckrap.com front slash Brad dash Bannon. Now it's time for the provocative progressive political panel. Uh, Our guest panelist today is Tara Devlin. Tara is a New York-based comedian, writer, and the founder of Real Rep- of, of RepublicanDirtyTricks.com. Tara's unapologetic, unapologetically liberal podcast, Tara Busta, is 100% listener-supported, free from corporate influence, and five-star viewer-reviewed. Join the resistance by becoming a patron of Tara Busta uh, at... Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, front slash Tara Devlin. You can file Tara on Twitter at Real Tara Devlin and on Instagram at T-A-R-A-D-A-C-K-T-Y. Else. <laughs> Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. <laughs> Uh, joining Tara on the panel is, provi- is progressive political analyst, uh, activist Mark Grimaldi. Mark has worked for several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. He is also active in campaign finance reform and efforts to promote cancer research. 
His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi, the G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. Okay, panel. Uh, Mark, let's uh, start with you today. Uh, one of the uh, big, maybe the biggest issue facing Congress now is that uh, Americans have gone months now uh, without a uh, pandemic uh, relief package. The first one and only one was passed earlier in the year. Uh, the pandemic uh, is getting worse instead of better. Uh, job figures uh, that came out uh, last week for new jobs were horrible, uh, but Congress still hasn't been able to come up with a pa pandemic relief package. Uh, the House passed a package uh, in May, but uh, good friend uh, Mitch McConnell uh, has refused to act on it. Uh, Mark, why is it so important that we have that Congress gets it together and passes a pandemic relief package? Well, I'll give you, you know, just the numbers to start with, because they are absolutely staggering. Um, there's a, there's the first deadlines that you're really going to see are December 26th, where 12 million more unemployed people will lose their federal and state unemployment benefits as the remaining $300 weekly bonus that was part of the CARES Act. It ends on December 26th for those 12 million Americans. Then you have uh, nearly 7 million Americans that are at risk of being evicted uh, and without homes as the CDC has a temporary moratorium on evictions, but that expires December 31st. So five days after that first uh, trigger I talked about with the unemployment. So that's, that compounds. Then you have to imagine those people are evicted. You're going to have millions more who are going to slip into poverty and become food insecure. And then to compound that, uh, it was December 31st. They extended it one month, but which is not very much. But the pause on federal student mm. loans is set to end on January 31st, which means that loan officers will then soon be able to start charging interest on those student loans if people can't pay them. And that's, again, is January 31st. So you, that's just those three massive amounts of, of change for the worse on December 26th. December 31st and January 31st. So that's in addition to all the problems that we're already having, which is what we're talking about. It's going to get mm -hmm. that much worse with inaction. So I don't think people realize, especially if, you know, like I, I've been very fortunate. My, my wife and I have been able to continue working from home and our daughters are doing their their pre-K and their first grade um, virtually, fully virtual. So I feel very blessed, but I know that there's a, a massive number of Americans who are not in that position. And as a human being, I am desperately concerned for them and, and seeking action. And I know that, that many Americans who are also not necessarily in that position care about their fellow Americans and they want to see action. Um, mm -hmm. The percentage of people who want another stimulus is something like three quarters of Americans. And to get anybody um, to agree on anything 75% of the time in this country with how split the country is, mm -hmm. is truly stunning. So that yeah, just tells is. you the support that this, that it has for, for some sort of action. As Charlie Cook said in the last half hour, even if it's something in between what Speaker Pelosi had sought out in the HEROES Act, which was the bill in May, and what Mitch McConnell, you know, is talking about, um, it, it's got to, they have to get something done, which is maybe what this compromise bill would be in the meantime, 
uh, that Senator Warner um, has been talking about and Chuck Schumer has been talking about. And Speaker Pelosi is try is, is saying she's flexible on, you know, a, a, a sort of bridge uh, stimulus, which, you know, she's trying to do something for the people. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I, at this point, Mitch McConnell has done none of that, which is a shock to none of us who, who know him. Right. Uh, Tara, if you had uh, uh, any words for uh, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on his refusal to oh, consider no. the House package that passed back in May, uh, what would you say to him? <laughs> oh my well, God! I remember well, Ronnie. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know I... it's a family show. Yeah. Um, I really don't have anything to say to Mitch McConnell. The he is he's really brought his nickname to fruition, the Grim Reaper. He's proud of that. And we're asking, this country, it really has a lot of problems. We had a lot of problems before the pandemic. The United States is now the least upwardly mobile of all of our Western partners. We, the the middle class is below 50% of the population. That was before the pandemic. 80% of Americans are living check to check, which is a failure of, of the of government, frankly, because we created that. They created that. The government, as FDR talked about when he was president, they about the, the elites who thought that government was an appendage of their affairs. And it really is now. Government is an appendage of the affairs of the rich. And it, nothing says that more than the fact that Mitch McConnell went home while the American people are on the breadlines. Now, you notice when we have a Republican Congress or Republican majority, we, the American people always end up on breadlines somehow. They crash the economy three times in a hundred years. And Mitch McConnell's only priority, it's not the American people. You notice what he's doing with this COVID bill. He wants to give corporate immunity, meaning that they could treat you like nothing. You are nothing to them. You could put yourself at risk on the job. And he wants to make sure that the corporations who sent you into dangerous positions where you might be sick, where you might die, where the breadwinner might die, that they have no liability for ha- for treating you like you're nothing. You're just a host from which to suck profit. And so the fact that he his only priority is to put more unqualified judges onto the bench is it says it all. And it also says that this everything is broken because we it's really a one of the tactics that authoritarians use to take over a democracy. They corrupt the courts. And Mitch McConnell's on on that case, that's for sure. Yes, he has. Okay, we're going to go to break now. When we get back from break, we'll have more of the provocative progressive political panel uh, with Tara Devlin, the host of Terror Buster, uh, and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Uh, we will be staying on uh, on air for our TV viewers on Periscope TV and Facebook Live. We'll be back uh, with our radio listeners right after these messages. Yeah.
Welcome back to Deadline DC. Uh, we are in the middle of our progressive, provocative progressive political panel with Tara Devlin, uh, the host of Tara Buster. You can see the uh, sign there behind her. <laughs> uh, and um, also progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Mark, uh, how does uh, Joe Biden deal with Mitch, Mitch McConnell? I think Tara hit the nail on the head. Uh, basically, you know, and you pointed out, Brad, uh, he will have to do what he can to try to work with whoever he will work with him in the Senate, the, the Mitt Romneys, the Susan Collins. It's not going to be very sexy, and it's going to be, I think, very minimal what you can get done, but it'll be a lot more functional than we've had the previous four years. And then, as you pointed out, Brad, the executive order route, which will to be do things like rejoin the Paris Climate Accord, which is you know obviously very important not to to, you know, mm-hmm. shoot that down or anything like that. But I think a ton uh, hangs in the balance based on this runoff election coming up, um, you know, to talk about how bad things have been. You know, there's even more news out today. That I know I just shared with you right before we went on on air, Brad. Um, Trump's Operation Warp Speed, uh, it's being reported in the Washington Post that, they instead of delivering the 300 million or so doses of vaccine uh, immediately after the emergency use approval in the FDA, um, they now currently say that they're only going to be able to deliver a tenth of that initially, 35 to 40 million doses. And whatever you think about the vaccine, you know, hopefully it's effective and we can get it to the people who want to have it. You know, that is aside from from whatever people mm-hmm. think of it. Um, but but that is a really bad news. There's just no way around it. Um, and it just shows that, uh, you know, you're going to have tr- you're going to have problems that are left by the Trump administration. Um, it, it's it, it it reeks of the problems with PPE. Um, it, it, there's no national plan. Uh, these lower than anticipated allocations uh, they're reporting have caused widespread confusion and concern in states which are just now beginning to grasp the level of vaccine scarcity that they're going to have um, as they confront the early going of the vaccination campaign. So um, that's going to be something that is going to have to be remedied. Uh, and I think it's also going to show why there's more of a need for this COVID-19 stimulus because everyone, you know, or, or some people, the argument that they try to make, whether they believe it or not, I, I think it's what Tara points out. They're looking out for corporations. Mm-hmm. But when they talk out of both sides of their mouth, they say, oh, well, we don't need to add to the deficit because the vaccine is going to be coming out. We're going to be getting back to oh, normal. God. And, you know, you hear that talking point and it's like, OK, well, welcome to reality. Read this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be countless other examples of things like that where they open the door to whatever Trump office they go in and. And it's going to, I'm telling you, you guys both know this, it's going to be so much worse than we imagined. Uh, we huh? only heard about the things that made it out to the oh, press. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. the, the, the people who uh, are good soldiers yeah. are, are, you know, we're going to find out what was really going on behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. So to, to kick it back to what you were talking about initially, Brad, I think Mitch McConnell is a cold, calculating politician as much as they come. And unless you have those two Senate votes, it's going to be very limited what President-elect Biden can do. And, and that's, that's just the truth, I think. You know, we'll see. But Yeah, I think we should call Operation uh, Warp Speed Operation Model T. Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's Trump. He's a con yeah. man. Yep. I can't stand Yeah, I think that that's we, the best way to describe it. I mean, that's it. it. He had a multi-level marketing vitamin scam. 
You know, I mean, this is what we're talking about. He's a con man. And the fact that everybody, not just you guys or us in general, the corporate media treats him like he's not a con man. You know, he's he's got the moniker president. He acts like a president, just like he acts like, you know, I mean, he plays the role. He likes the trappings of the presidency. He likes being able to have everybody's attention. He doesn't like, you know, the responsibilities. Yeah, I mean, he's basically given up on the fight. Oh, yeah. Pandemic. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't done a damn uh, thing. To deal with the pandemic. Since Absolutely. He, before Never. the election or after. Right. He named something Operation Warp Speed. Yes. Who can, wh- whoopie know. doopie. Oh, my gosh. You know? Thank you. I know. And just, so that means, oh. you know, oh, he, we've we've won. Now we see. Of course, it was going to be great and beautiful and wonderful and like nobody's ever seen. Yep. It's I mean, this is what he says. He's a he's a con man. And I really can't stand us. What I, this is what I think. What's wrong with us as a you know, society? Donald Trump is going to go <laughs> down in history as the worst president in the history of the United States yes. and Ever? the best con man yeah. in oh, the yeah. history of oh, the United that's States. That's the truth. He's a, one thing you got to give him is that he's a con man. He's a, he is the most successful con man there ever was. That's for sure. But yeah. He's no one. Future generations aren't. They're not going to look back and be like, "What a great man who made America great." It will. We've only just begun knowing you know, the, the scary depth of the thing depravity. Is, he wouldn't like being called the worst president. And by the way, it took me a long time to designate because of my horrible negative feelings about Richard Nixon and what he did to this country. Mm. It took me a long time to recognize that Donald Trump is the worst president of the United States. It took me about two years of his presidency before I abandoned my uh, sponsorship of Richard Nixon as worst president. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the reality is Trump won't like being remembered as the worst president, but he'll probably be proud of being called the best con man. Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. At least he did that. I mean, but everything else he he just like he pretended to be a successful businessman he pretends to be the president he's not the president he's yep, a con trump man university uh trump airlines yes trump everything he knows what i mean he's not a billionaire this is what drives me insane the the news media as well the corporate media uh, i mean what billionaire pays off porn stars and in installments yeah i mean <laughs> what billionaire has to put his name on a on a multi-level marketing vitamin scam you know you don't see jeff bezos vitamins you know what i mean it's this is what we're dealing with but we're all supposed to pretend he's an actual legitimate person it's it's insane and they they've been successful in dividing and conquering this country as you see in a lot of the the uh the right wingers they're they don't believe that Joe Biden won the election no. that they don't even believe in a, in a coronavirus, but it's also disturbing because they, the, we can't have a functioning society without a sense of civic responsibility to each other, you know, leaving people on the bread lines, you know, leaving, you know, that's not patriotic. This is what we have to do to rebrand, you know, our progressive initiatives. They're not just, progressive initiatives these are patriotic imperatives and that's why what we do like being in the the corp not i mean being an alternative voice yeah on the left this is what what we do is so important i and i truly believe that 
So. I couldn't agree more, well, Brad. Well, let me ask the panel one last question in this uh, short time we have left, uh, and we'll start with you, Tara. Uh, is Donald Trump has uh, announced that he's going to announce his campaign for 2024 presidency on Inauguration Day. Uh, will he oh, be the God. GOP presidential nominee in 2024? If he wants to be, yes, they'll let him. They will. They have. They will have no choice. The the right wingers. You you could see, it's so disturbing. I, I I'm a student of history. I'm a big history buff. But it also disturbs me knowing how republics fail, and what we're doing right now. What this following this trajectory, we're right on track to you know not have a functioning. Yeah. Democratic yeah, we're very, very, we're very close to the precipice. Yes, uh, absolutely. Of democracy in this country. Mm-hmm. Mark, uh, do you think Donald Trump's going to be the uh, Republican presidential nominee in uh, 2024? No, I actually don't. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why. I, I think it's possible, but if I have to, it's very possible. Mm. If I have to guess, I will say no because two different reasons, and who knows if it's a combination of both or one or the other. I think once he doesn't have the power of the presidency to shield him from legal mm. trouble, which he cannot be pardoned from state crimes and you have New York with, you know, he was a very bad criminal. Okay. He may yes. have been a, a very good <laughs> scammer, but he was a very bad criminal and he left behind a big trail, um, which is only going to get longer. So I think he's going to have legal trouble. Uh, number two, I actually think he may look into just not wanting to do it, not wanting to go back into because he never right. wanted to do the work in the first place. Yes. Um, he may just decide that he doesn't want to do it again if he somehow does escape legal trouble. Right. You know, he That's can just true. say, I've made America great again and, you know, <laughs> just stay right. in Mar right. Mar-a-Lago, which is all he wants to do anyway. Yes, so, that's yep. true. you know, but that's right. it's again, it, it's a very close call. Mm -hmm. But well, you know who we have to really watch out for? It's Ivanka. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. No, be... you're right. Because she mm -hmm. won't Yeah, be... the devil's spawn. Yes. Yep. Seriously, though. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for having us, Brad. Oh, Thank oh. you. Thank you, Brad. Okay. Thanks, Tara. Uh, thanks, Mark. Uh, I'll be back uh, next Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, and try to stay safe and strong and insane while you pandemic <laughs> rages and Trump is still in the White House. This holiday season, remember the families who've lost loved ones to COVID-19. Don't risk losing your loved ones. Stay vigilant, make smart choices, avoid indoor gatherings, and wear a mask. Spread hope, not COVID. For tips, visit michigan.gov slash holiday 2020. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. There's treasure hidden in your field. Acuron Herbicide unlocks 5 to 15 more bushels an acre than any other herbicide when used in a pre-emergence application at full label rates. Tap the banner to start finding more bushels. Acuron Yield Advantage range based on 2016 Syngenta and University trials. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide.